Welcome to Financial Anis Warrior Podcast. My name is Miguel Romain. And my name is Mikola Domenko, and this is episode number eight. All right, so welcome back to our podcast. Uh, today, uh, Miguel and I will... Uh, we have decided to uh, try to experiment a bit with the format of the podcast. Uh, before, we used to have a more um, of an interview-style podcast with different people from the industry um, who come on the podcast to talk about their experiences uh, working in finance. And uh, for this podcast, we decided to try something new, more of a Q&A session, uh, questions and answers uh, with Miguel about basically what are the most uh, common mistakes that we see um, and hear uh, from candidates who are writing the CFA Level 1 exam. Um, we uh, took these uh, mistakes from our uh, CFA Level 1 um, hack guide, basically, that is currently uh, available on our website that uh, features 100 um, top mistakes of the CFA Level 1. And uh, so today we want to talk to you about five of the mistakes um, just to give you an idea of if you haven't purchased the, the CFA level on hack, um, you know what it represents and what you can expect uh, when you do decide to, to purchase it um, while studying for the uh, upcoming exam. Yeah, and these mistakes are also taken from our experience, uh, you know, teaching students or candidates CFA level one. Uh, these are some of the, the questions that come and uh, the people don't like, you know, areas where people are unsure about what to answer. and. Uh, uh, obviously, there's a lot of ca calculations. We didn't, you know, include the calculation on this podcast because of the format is not uh, suitable for that. But uh, we hope that it's gonna be helpful for you, uh, for you guys, who if you're studying for the uh, CFA exam. So uh, we'll uh, we'll start right with. Um, yeah, let's with, do it. Let's yeah. let's start with the first question that we have. <coughs> is um, we notice that often the candidates confuse um, interest rates and exchange rates and particularly how they are impacting uh, imports and exports of a given country. Yeah, so this is one of the, the things with, the, we don't know, like a lot of people don't know what's, uh, what affects what. Basically, interest rate affects imports, exports, and exchange rates. So there's one way to kind of simplify that. If you, uh, if, if you start with interest rate increase, for example, uh, and obviously, this is taken from the economics, uh, you know, section of the uh, CFA Level One exam. So, if there's an increase in interest interest rate in the country, well, it creates demand for that currency, and the reason why is because people want to invest in a higher interest rate. So, the one way you can uh, visualize that is, for example, if there's a a bond that offers a higher yield, well investors will want to purchase that bond okay so that creates upward pressure on that on that country's currency therefore the the currency is gonna the domestic currency will appreciate okay so an interest rate increase will lead to the domestic currency appreciation okay however if the the domestic currency increases well that makes the exports more expensive for foreign countries, right? So, for ex if we take a simple example, let's say we're in uh, we're in Canada and the interest rate increases here. Well, foreigners, for example, people from Europe, 
will see that the currency, the Canadian, the Canadian dollar is increasing. Therefore, the Canadian exports to Europe might decrease. On the other hand, imports might increase because Canadian dollar is stronger. We can afford to purchase more foreign products because it's cheaper for us. So this is kind of the best way to, uh, to see things. You start with the interest rate increase, more money flows, therefore it creates upward pressure on the domestic currency, which creates uh, a downward pressure on exports. So exports decrease and imports increase, and obviously vice versa. So that means if uh, interest rate decreases, the, the currency tends to depreciate. Uh, depreciate. So that's one way to uh, quickly remember what's, uh, what's the impact of exchange rate on uh, interest rates along with imports and exports. That's one of the top mistakes. Perfect. Okay, great. And um, another question we have is um, candidates often confuse the benefits or the effects of um, shareholder on shareholders' wealth when a company decides to either issue a dividend or make a share repurchase. So how, how do you see that? Okay, so one of the, the, the problem here is that people don't see that getting a dividend and uh, having a share repurchase is the same, uh, that affects their wealth as a shareholder the same. So when you get a dividend, you get cash, while if the company decides to repurchase some of the shares, usually what happens is the share price goes up, therefore it creates a capital gain. But it's really for the same amount. This is obviously in theory. in in practice, obviously, there's a lot of things happening in the, in the stock market. So it could be, for example, a down day because okay, there's uh, some economic bad economic news which creates a downward pressure on the share price that day, the day where there's a, the, a share repurchase being uh, announced. So you can't really isolate the effect of the share repurchase. This is why sometimes people don't really see the connection between the, sh the share repurchase and the increased wealth of the shareholder. While for a dividend, it's kind of easy to see that okay, they're they're you know paying a dividend of like let's say two dollars. You you can really see the 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 impact. For the company, it's usually more beneficial to repurchase shares because if you implement a dividend, you kind of have to maintain that that level of dividend. Okay, so you can't really cut a dividend. Let's say you you're you have a bad quarter, you don't have a lot of of cash as a company and you decide to cut a dividend, it's a very, very negative signal, okay? And that might affect your share price. While a share repurchase, you can, you know, announce a share repurchase anytime you want and you don't have to necessarily have a, a set timing or a set program of share repurchase, a regular share repurchase, the same way you would have a regular dividend payout. So this is the reason why a lot of companies usually opt for um, a share repurchase rather than a dividend. In terms of the, in the investor, the main difference is really the tax impact, which means that if the share price increases, well, it create, you know, uh, capital gain potentially if you share your, your if you sell your share. Well, a dividend usually gets taxed in most countries; it gets taxed right away because you get the cash. So that's the, uh, the the reason why there's a lot of misunderstanding about share repurchase versus versus uh, dividend. And I guess from the uh, it's just maybe. A quick summary for the investor's point of view, when yeah. a company is doing a share repurchase, basically the company itself has ends up with less shares, exactly. but each share is worth more is worth money. More. That's right. Yeah. So okay. it's the same thing if, if you have a large institutional 
investor that decides to invest in a company is going to buy a lot of shares. It's going to create upward pressure on that shares, just supply and demand, right? So that will increase the share price. So all the shareholders will benefit from that increased share price. Okay, perfect. And um, what about correlation? This is something yeah. that uh, many candidates uh, confuse. and. Um, because correlation, there's uh, um, covariance. Uh, they yeah. sound they sound very similar, yet they're very different. So yeah, what what do you have to say? One of the things um, about correlation is that people don't necessarily understand that it just gives you the direction of the movement between two stocks, the relative direction of two securities. So for example, there's a coefficient of correlation of minus one. And one of the two stocks, stock A, let's say, goes up by 6%. It doesn't mean that the other stock goes down by 6%. It just means that it goes down. But it could go down by 2%, by 10%. So basically, the correlation coefficient doesn't give you the magnitude or the size of the move. It doesn't have to move exactly the same size, the same, uh, same level, the same amount. Uh, it just tells you that it moves in the same direction or opposite direction. Okay. While covariance, on the other hand, it, it includes that information, so the correlation coefficient, but it also includes standard deviation, which tells you the magnitude of the move, how much it goes up and down, basically. Mm -hmm. So in other words, covariance gives you more information about how two securities interact with each other uh, relative to just the coefficient of uh, cor correlation. Perfect. Yeah. And um, what do you think? Is one more important than the other? Well, not really, but it, usually when you invest uh, in like securities, you want to have to add securities that have low correlation or potentially negative correlation with the existing portfolio. So this is how this is the all the power of diversification is included in correlation. So when you build a portfolio, you want to have to include securities that are have low coefficient of correlation between one another. And this is the way you're going to reduce your risk uh, without necessarily uh, impacting your, your return. This is the whole kind of the one of the tenets of uh, portfolio management. Great. Yeah. Uh, another question we have is, um, can you elaborate more about what is a structured note? What does it do? And uh, yeah, structured note, uh, I guess regular investors um, may not invest in, uh, in structured notes or they may not see uh, structured notes uh, very often. This is more if you're really in the industry or if you're an um, institutional investor. Uh, a structured note basically is a combination of a bond and derivatives. Very often it's uh, call options. The beauty of, if I can say that, uh, of a structured note is that you get a fixed return but you have potential the opportunity potentially to get uh, an extra return which is usually tied or linked to the market this way you're kind of guaranteed a certain amount but you don't have the risk of and you don't have the risk of losing money if the market goes down but you can uh, capitalize maybe on the gains of the market if the market goes up then you might get some of that uh, not necessarily all of that return but you, you may get uh, participate in the um, the upward movements of the market so this is why it's very uh, attractive to some investors and um, Usually the, the, the structured notes uh, brokers, they make like a commission on, on that. So that's why like it's, it's, it might become, uh, it might be popular for, uh, for them to sell. That's their kind of their advantage of selling or structuring this, this package. 
and uh, so that's that's pretty much it. That's uh, what a structured note. Uh, Nice. Okay, great. Let's uh, talk about uh, the famous uh, Porter Five Forces uh, or competitive analysis. Um, let's maybe just recap quickly what are the five forces. We have one, bargaining uh, power of the buyers, bargaining power of the suppliers, the barriers to new uh, to entry, threats of substitutes, and rivalry among competitors. Um, often we find that candidates confuse the uh, bargaining power of suppliers. Yes. Uh, so the the problem with this uh, bargaining power of suppliers is that people don't identify properly the supplier. It's kind of easy if it's a you know bricks and mortar business. So if it's a, if you're selling a product, uh, for example, you're selling uh, you know uh, computers or whatever you're building houses. Well, it's you know the raw material would be whoever you're buying the raw material from is your supplier. It's kind of easy to know where your product. Or your raw material is coming from that's your supplier but when you're selling a service in the service industry it's sometimes maybe more difficult to see who your supplier is one uh, one good example is the banking industry so if you're a bank you know wh who's really your supplier when one way to identify who's the supplier is to look at your main costs okay so for a bank their main cost is the interest that is paid on the client's deposit if you deposit money to the bank or in your savings account or whatever, then there's you, you get paid a little bit of money. That's one of the main costs <clears throat> for the bank. Therefore, that means the customers or the depositors are the bank's suppliers. So in, in order to find out if they have bargaining power, well, you can imagine, for example, if you're not satisfied with your bank, then you can take your money elsewhere. So this is how you exert your, your bargaining power in the banking industry, for example. In other industries, it could be you know human capital or knowledge. Uh, this would be the case, for example, for accounting firms or lawyers or any like professional that are selling their uh, their services. It would be their uh, their the the people themselves or the their, their human capital, in other words. So that's how you would identify the supplier. Nice. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, this pretty much um, <clears throat> covers the the five uh, questions that we picked for uh, today's session. Um, of course, oh, you can give the an extra one. I don't know. Like, what, sure. Let's, let's give them an extra one. There's a hundred in the. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, actually, if you haven't checked out our website, um, we invite you to to visit financialanalystwarrior.com, and you'll see that we are selling a uh, starter kit for the CFA level one uh, that uh, contains actually uh, 100 um, top mistakes that we find that candidates make when when preparing for the uh, for the uh, CFA exam. And uh, currently, you'll find that we are also selling a study bundle for the level one that contains not only the uh, starter kit, but also the uh, complete CFA level one uh, hacks. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, let's 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 give uh, another example here. What do you have in mind? Yeah. Well, what one of the uh, the things that uh, or concept that are I think pretty much in all three levels of the CFA is uh, the concept of prepayment risk, uh, and you kind of have to see in pretty much all three levels, how it relates to interest rate risk so or interest rate movements. So prepayment risk is when it, when you invest in the mortgage-backed securities, for example, um, prepayment risk is a risk that people that own the uh, underlying mortgage prepay their mortgage. Therefore, it reduces the maturity, it reduces the time that, you, that it takes for you to get your, your cash flow. And when you have a higher interest rate, usually what happens is that uh, people will not necessarily 
prepay their mortgage, right? Because they don't want to maybe refinance the mortgage at a higher rate. However, when interest rate decreases, well, some uh, mortgage, uh, some people who have mortgages might be tempted to, you know, just pay off their mortgage and potentially refinance the mortgage at a lower rate. Okay, so that creates uh, pre prepayment risk. And there's kind of two layers of risk here because if you own a mortgage-backed security and you, like people, the underlying mortgage are, uh, are being paid, then you get your money sooner, right? It reduces the maturity of your, of your product. Then you, you're left with money that you have to reinvest. But since interest rates are lower now, you have to reinvest at lower rates. So that's why prepayment risk is, is quite you know, serious. It's, it's, it's one of the main risks when you invest with, uh, well, that and default, obviously, <laughs> uh, in mortgage-backed securities, that people prepay their mortgage because interest rates are lower. Then, as an investor, you have to reinvest that money, and usually it's at a lower rate. So that's why it's uh, it's pretty bad when you have a prepayment uh, prepayment risk. Obviously, level one CFA, you like you, you don't go much in, in details in terms of uh, prepayment risk and mortgage-backed securities, but Trust me, level two and three, uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna see some more. Yeah, uh, there's definitely there. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so uh, so that's just a quick sample of some of the uh, the mistakes that we see or that we get asked uh, very often by by candidates or areas where if you don't, especially if you don't have a background in, in finance. Yeah. You know, it's uh, things that are n not necessarily. Uh, it's very intuitive. Yeah. yeah. It takes some time to uh, to play with those ideas and actually get understand the concepts. <clears throat> But um, let's talk also, you know, we're, we're, we had a good feedback from, from people who uh, have purchased the, the CFA Level 1 study um, kit, uh, study hacks, uh, starter kit, etc. And uh, we also want to update you on what's happening uh, with us uh, right now. We're uh, currently um, releasing, uh, or basically we have CFA Level 2 study hacks and the CFA Level 3 study hacks that are currently being uh, written that you, uh, if you already have um, uh, completed the CFA Level 1, you can pre-order your uh, CFA Level 2 and CFA Level 3 study hacks on our website. Uh, we, uh, our aim basically is to release these guides uh, in somewhere uh, mid to end of January 2016, so you'll have ample time to use them. Yeah, that's uh, right. And it's the same concept the as, the, uh, as the Level 1, which yeah. means that we try to simplify uh, and deconstruct the way that the CFA, like the, all the topics of the CFA, uh, and instead of just reading, it's kind of a complementary product. If you're reading, for example, uh, some study other provider or study guide, uh, it's a quick way to give you all the information that you need to know for the for the CFA, but separate it into you know the formula component and the vocabulary component and the concept component where you need to spend more time, for example, the relationships between, you know, interest rates and export imports and all of that. That's more of a, a concept that you need to grasp, but there's also a lot of different vocabulary uh, and a lot of different formulas that you just need to learn by heart. So we kind of de deconstruct these three different components uh, to give you all the information, but in a very quick uh, manner. So yeah, perfect. And, uh, you know, if you are interested about level two or, or level three, we uh, definitely invite you to uh, sign up to our newsletter uh, and um, we'll keep you uh, updated when the uh, CFA hacks are, are released. 
and overall we'll be uh, sending shortly a newsletter to all our members and um, just to provide a quick update of what's happening with us as well as share the latest uh, uh, interesting stuff that we that we post on our website including the content of this podcast as well um, so maybe uh, do you want to give you a preview of what's yeah maybe uh, give an, like, an idea of what's uh, what, what to, to be expect, expect yeah. yeah what to be expected for the next uh, few podcasts so we're gonna have uh, lots of exciting guests and uh, like we did before we had uh, different guests from the financial uh, community that gives you an overview. For example, if you're studying for the CFA, you there's different things you can do, like your portfolio management side, the analyst side, um, so the trading uh, side of things. So we'll we'll try to have uh, to line up some uh, some good guests that will give you an idea of uh, different uh, different parts of the the, the business. The, yeah, the industry or what to expect. Yeah, we have some hedge funds work, people yeah. that that are coming, some private equity people that are coming. So it's going to be very, uh, very exciting to have them uh, and ask them some questions about, you know, how they, they got there uh, and uh, what what their job is really. Yeah, and you know, I was uh, we were looking at recently at the different stats on the podcast, and we noticed that we have over seventy two uh, people from about seventy two countries that are listening to our podcast. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's super amazing. We're very grateful for your your time, and you know, if you have any questions about the program, about our CFA uh, study bundles or study hacks or starter kits or just the program itself uh, definitely we invite you to uh, you know write us an email or connect with us on social networks and we'll uh, gladly um, you know help you out and if you do enjoy the podcast uh, definitely um, you know we invite you to leave your review on iTunes and as well as share share the podcast with uh, your fellow candidates um, and if you have topics that you uh, you want uh, us to discuss uh, or some types of guests that you would like us to uh, interview, we would love, love to hear from you. Definitely. Yeah. Perfect. So we thank you for your time, and we'll see you next time.